to welcome Pastor Wayne uh, tonight. We, we're going to start uh, his uh, time of ministry off with a video uh, that he's brought uh, to share with us. Um, but he's going to come up straight off the back of that. So when the video finishes, I want you to give a massive warm round of applause and warm welcome as he comes to the stage. But team, if we can roll that video now. Thank you so much. Church, God bless. song that says where were you when they crucified my lord and and the question the ukrainian people are asking is where were you when they crucified us and that's how we feel right now as as lives tens of thousands of lives are being snuffed out the beauty of the gospel is a gospel that is like god himself he's the suffering god he he enters into his world to suffer with the people and just like jesus was crucified on a cross he did that willingly and the the children of god as we see in the scriptures there is a suffering theology theology of suffering where the fragrance of christ is made beautiful as as, as lives are being destroyed this war has changed people but lord you have used this and you will continue to use this for dozens of people's local community that is. And to watch that happen, like this isn't me. I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't our organization. This isn't, you know, all these people on their own. We don't have the means to, to, to do what's happening right now. This is God. Man, there's nothing like that. Us asking Faye, like, do you get it? Do you understand? like why that has to go into Ukraine. Does that make sense to you? And uh, Faye just looked at us and she's like, yeah, because it's better for you to risk your life than no people will starve to death and do nothing about it. And that just struck so deep with me and my wife that like she, she gets it. She had words that we didn't even have at the time for. We risk our lives to bring people food because Jesus says that if you seek to keep your life, you're gonna lose it. And if you lose your life, you'll gain it. And that like, he wasn't sarcastic when he said that. And it's a literal fact. Like when you lay aside your ambitions and your dreams and everything that you wanna do, and then you selflessly try to seek what the Lord wants you to do, that in that you find joy and life. Good evening, Emerge. It's special to be here. Can we turn the microphone off for a minute? I need to blow my nose, and I wouldn't want to damage anyone else's eardrums. I'm gonna take you into a war zone before the sermon starts. Oh. Oh. Life has changed for some of us. And uh, I uh, shed a tear every time I watch that. Um, and uh, that's because I'm there and I know those guys and I know those places. And uh, it just, it hurts. Um, but while we're here in Australia, we've actually come back 
to Australia now to share things with you because uh, Ukraine is sliding off the front pages of the, of the news and the Australian response has been amazing and I wanna thank you. Um, have you prayed? If you have prayed, would you raise your hand? Um, the Australian response has been amazing. Um, I think there's just something that has struck a chord uh, with Western culture uh, there are many reasons for that, and there's also been um, some crazy Aussies who have stayed uh, and who've been able to wave their hands sort of like from the, the trenches while you can imagine what, what's going on. And actually, because you're seeing pretty much or were seeing in real time um, this historic event um, unfolding before you, uh, you, you were seeing the same images we were. And we're, we're in those places, and that's pretty well um, the reality of, of, of what's going on. So I'm here to thank you at this stage. Um, thank you, and please don't stop. Um, I'm going to share a few slides a bit later to give you more, uh, more, more, of, the contact, uh, more of the context. Um, things in Ukraine are bad, but they're stably bad. And school is supposed to start on September 1. And when we, my sons haven't, uh, my 12-year-old, well, my two oldest uh, sons, uh, Mark and Matvey, they're in Australia. They've been here. They're actually with, with us for Christmas. Um, Christmas happened just a few months ago, sort of. You, in Australia, you have Christmas in July sometimes. I haven't worked that out. But um, they were with us for the, well, it's for cold Christmas for us. Probably that's why you do your July thing. And uh, they, they were with us. It was Mark's first time back in five years. It was, it was Matvey's first time back in four years. And uh, we had a wonderful time together. And the potential of war was brewing um, in the background. But it's always been brewing for the last uh, eight, nine years. So Ukrainians are used, are used to that. But as the momentum was growing, um, Mark, after Christmas, went on to the U.S. Matvey... Um, so they're 22-year-olds, both, uh, both unmarried. Oh, can we put that the first slide up? Just, I, I, you, oh, it is up. All right, there, okay. So the, they got their good looks from their, from their mother and their appetite from their father. But they're unmarried, both of them, in Australia, North Brisbane. Whew, right, okay, I've done that. Next. So, um, unmarried, did I say that? Just, just, just checking. Matvey uh, stayed a little bit longer, and then uh, just as he was leaving, he got COVID in Ukraine, and he had to stay another two weeks, and he basically arrived back in Australia a few days before the war began. And suddenly your heart is just torn. And you can imagine those boys who were just there, and then uh, they came back, and their family, their parents, and their, their younger brothers are in a war zone and they know the maps and they, they, they know the mentality um, of, of what's going on. It was, really, um, it was really tough. And a few ideas about what it's like to be in a war zone. I didn't sign up for, for that. Um, I was an um, almost 18-year-old who went on a one-year missions trip. So I'm not sure if this is the best advertisement for missions. Um, I... Uh, I tried to get into the Australian Defence Force Academy and I got that terrible disease called chickenpox. 
So some of you uh, have been a bit shaken up by that COVID thing that happened so long ago. Um, for me, the life-changing illness was, uh, was the chickenpox, and uh, I failed the medical to get into the Australian Defence Force Academy, and uh, they said, come back next year. But I had always wanted to be a fighter pilot, and I just think it wasn't fair that they brought out Top Gun a couple of years before, the first Top Gun. Right? If you've seen the second one, that was pretty cool. Don't go, don't apply for ADFA next year. You, you might get the chicken pox. <laughs> and you might end up going to a country where you're on a, a parallel journey with a people that is finding its place in modern history. And that's what happened in Ukraine. Um, newly set free from uh, the, the Soviet Union that had collapsed, 1991. For many of you, that was like BC, right? <laughs> and uh, I turned up there as an almost 18-year-old, and I was on a one-year adventure. And while I was there, I got to see a brand new country with thousands of years of history, but they were breaking free, and it was like the Wild West, um, except no one was shooting anybody at that stage. So um, I got to see God working in a way that impressed me and uh, taken out of my uh, home habitat and stewing in other juices. Um, who likes Thai food? You've tried some Indian. You get a bit of an idea of what that means to, to be stewing. Um, and uh, sorry, I did eat earlier today. It's fine. Um, those noises are not from me. The, uh, and so um, I, I, I was on this parallel journey where God was showing me what's going on here and I'm liking it and I want more of it. And so with each passing month, I was beginning to snip the, uh, the strings attached to my service. And then after um, two years of being there, I decided, Lord, I'll give you a third year. And in the third year, I met the girl and fate was decided. <laughs> Four boys later, um, I'm happily married, um, at least that makes one of us. So, uh, and again, I did say that my boys are currently not um, there. Yes, I did say that. So, so many things to share. Um, um, this is not my first war. In 2013, we had protests and it was called the it turned into um, the revolution of dignitary, uh, dignity against and against corruption. And I put that in brackets because they, it, after the overflow, it never actually got to root out corruption in Ukrainian society. But something had been stirred amongst the Ukrainian people. And then a few months later, the southern part of Ukraine had been annexed. So if we go to the next uh, slides... Let's have a look. So there is Ukraine. I know your geography is, is great, right? So I understand. So it's in Europe, and it's the largest country totally enclosed uh, in Europe. And uh, as I said, large country. It actually had the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Not that it was ever going to use them, but in an agreement amongst several major uh, powers, they handed over their nuclear arsenal and many cruise missiles uh, 
with the guarantee that, that, that these powers would, that they, they would be guaranteed their, um, their status and their security. Well, guess what happened? No nuclear weapons now, and those cruise missiles are being fired into Ukraine, hundreds of them. 74% they've calculated of the missiles that come in are fired at civilian targets, no question. Life changes when missiles come in. Suddenly everything can become dangerous and life becomes very, very simple. Actually, life goes into slow motion. It's a little bit like um, a tidal wave. It's like being at the beach and the waves are big today and your body's surfing and you get dumped by a big one. And then it piles you into the sand. You know when you've got sand in your ears and in your eyes and other things that you're wearing. And, uh, and then you come up for a breath and, and you, you can't breathe because the next wave hits you. And then, you know, they come in threes, right? And so as you're floating to find where you, you have a look and here comes another one and your lungs begin to burn. But at some time, some point, Point, you get to um, you get to come up and breathe for the first time. So we've gone from a situation of overwhelming battering, um, a little bit like uh, being in a swollen, flooded river. I think that Brisbaneites are beginning to understand a little bit like that. You know those you know those floods that happen once in every five year, five hundred years, but have happened three times this year already. What does it say? If it's flooded, forget it. Don't go in there. You will have no control over the situation. You're very small. Um, do you remember those things called airplanes where you'd go, you, you sat in them, and this was pre-COVID, so this was a long time ago. Actually, I have an emerge joke for you. It's a little bit, it's sort of a joke. It's a, it's a real thing. I was with Pastor Mark having lunch when the phone call came in that COVID had arrived and church as we know it changed. Um, and uh, that was very, very interesting because we were talking about missions and mission strategy and suddenly the phone call and I could see it like our lives have, have just changed. So I was with him. And this time I know that Pastor Mark's preparing to go on the missions conference and it didn't work that we get together. I'd love to see him here. But God has a way of bringing people together now, it wasn't my fault, but Pastor Mark lost his driver's license, and he needed it renewed, and so did I after being in a war zone coming in, it had expired, and we just happened to walk in to the Department of Transport at exactly the same time. Um, actually, he was three seconds in front of me. So we met, and we had a quick, we had a quick chat there, so we got, we got to touch base. Um, so whatever happens next in his life is not my fault. Go to the next slide. My gifting is in innovation and entrepreneurial things. My father was an innovator um, and he was an artisan. So he was able to invent things. Well, he, would, he was able to get a concept, think about it, and then make it happen with his hands. So I grew up with my dad building a hovercraft in the garage. And... Uh, 
And uh, I had nothing, I was not interested in a hovercraft because I wanted to be a fighter pilot and welding and that sort of stuff wasn't, wasn't my thing. And actually, I don't have that gifting. I, I have lots of ideas, though. I got them passed down from, from my dad. And it's actually a good exercise for you as you're in God. It's not, it's not a mistake that you were born where you were born. It's not a mistake that you were born into the family um, and, and, at, and at this time. Sadly, for me, my heart has been broken with this new country and happy for me that I'm in God's will, despite what's, what's going on. I have been there for 29 years with a country that's trying to find its place. And it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful thing that somehow that I have that privilege to be with the people as they strive for things that are important to you. There are things in human nature, we have been damaged by sin, but there are things that God has put in there that, that, that humankind strives for, but it, it, it doesn't find them in Jesus, but he is the answer. Yeah, yeah. So this striving now for freedom from dictatorship, freedom to have a life where you can strive and you won't be, uh, you won't be punished or, or con- controlled, um, uh, this idea of the rules being the same for everybody, equity, um, the thing of uh, transparency, uh, the, the concept of accountability. These are all things that we see through the scripture and they are uh, parts of the kingdom of God and humankind, uh, when it tastes a good thing, it, it, it wants it. And actually, we are so privileged that we have, um, we continue in Australia and in the Western world to, to reap the, de- the dividends of decisions that were made by our forefathers. Despite the fact that we're morally moving away from him and there will be consequences of those. But when a young guy comes with full of energy uh, and he's from a can-do country, it turns out that his dad is, a, uh, is an innovator and suddenly around you, you see all of these things that are broken or that don't work, society's turned upside down, and you can see, you can see solutions. And suddenly, God reveals that missionaries don't just do the word of God and prayer. Um, we were created to do things and represent him and, f- and find solutions. And you have been uniquely built to do the things uh, of God. Now, I'm not the world's most spiritual person. I'm not a spiritual giant. I do the same things that you, that, that, that you do. Life uh, consists of the, the same things. Um, but being faithful in a little, the Bible says that uh, faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much. And if you find the good thing to do today, the opportunity that you have, and you're, if you're asking God, what is my place? What is my, my role today? What is it that you would have? How can I represent you today? And if you start every day with Jesus and you ask for his spirit to empower you, as you are working this life in faith and making risks, because um, God is faithful and he will lead you. He moves things that are, that, are, that are moving and sometimes he puts pressure on things that are not moving so that they will start moving and uh, you will see that he reveals himself 
and he glorifies himself through you. And I'll share a verse about that in the future. So these pictures here are of um, my men in a project that turns plastic waste back into uh, basically a sweet crude oil, which then can be refined into diesel and, and other things. Um, the guy on the left, he is from the, uh, the temporary occupied territory from the last war. We don't even know his last name, but you can call him Tolik. And he has trouble trusting people. Um, but he's now with a group of men that we are moving forward, that stability is coming back uh, to him. And there is something about the gospel. Look, I'm not a great street evangelist. Uh, I'm not even a great preacher, but so you'll still have to put up with me for an, a few more minutes. Um, but I believe that the gospel, the good news, happens when believers rub shoulders with non-believers. That's we are we are the chosen. We are the the chosen uh, bridge for that. And he glorifies himself through that. Um, he works in you. He works through you. And he works despite of despite you. And that's okay. He's already factored in your stupidity. Sorry, he's, uh, that's not what I meant. He's factored in my stupidity. Of course, that's not something you need to worry about. So the project that you're seeing here is actually a preparation line for, for waste as we can then uh, heat it up in a, in a absence of oxygen environment and then the, the, the long hydrocarbon chains break down into small ones and we get a gas, a liquid, and a solid and your chemistry teacher will tell you the rest. However, with this, these, these machines that you're seeing built now, um, money that your church sends to missions, sends to us, goes into creating a new future for this, this bunch of guys. The two next guys... To the right of, uh, of Tolik is Sasha and Arkady. That's a father and son. They're on a spiritual journey just like you. And like, well, not like just like you because almost all of you have already entrusted your life to Jesus. But they're on a spiritual journey on the way. And it's a beautiful picture and I want to share that quite often in the West, because we want to press buttons and get satisfaction straight away, we're an instant society. But the Bible talks about sowing and watering and weeding and, and, and reaping. And so in my place in Ukraine, after thousands of years, especially the last hundred years, we, it's not about, so after communism disappeared, dissipated, there was a great hunger after more than 70 years of no gospel. And there, there were, it, it was beautiful to see. And I turned up in that period of time. And, uh, and, and, and people got saved and people ended up in churches. And, and that was a, a great period. It was like the crusade capital of the world. But we didn't, it didn't stay that way. Life, uh, life went on. But the Ukrainian people have been uh, on a journey. But the last 100 years has been systematic annihilations of millions of people each generation. It's okay when we think about that historically because one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Well, I can tell you now that it is not a statistic for me. In 
when the Bolshevik Revolution came in and the Communists came in, they, when they took over, they killed anyone who had a higher education, was wearing glasses, or looked intelligent. Is that any of you guys? Don't raise your hands. You're the first to die. Can you imagine a society of suddenly 10% of the population? That was where it was then. Of course, you're much smarter. Many of you more wear glasses. About the intelligent thing, I'm not sure. Oh, I said that wrong. 10% of the population gone. Anyone with outside information dealt with. Then 15 years later, they had the forced famine. This was a pivotal point in Ukrainian history where the whole class of, of self-sustaining people, these were the, the, the farmers and the villagers um, that supplied uh, all of the produce for, for the big cities. Um, all of the harvest was taken away and exported and they were left with the zero so much zero that they came through multiple times, the forces, uh, the government forces, and they took more and more and more, and right to the point where the grinding stones that make flour out of the wheat were broken. Therefore, it, would be really, it really makes it much harder to make flour out of it if you were successful in, in hiding it. After the first wave of it all being taken away, the men rose up and they went to solve this problem, to do the deal with the government, and they were all killed, leaving millions of people to die a cold, starving death over one winter. And they say between four to seven million Ukrainians died over one winter. But now the tragedy becomes known because the next springtime comes, everything grows, those that survived were brought they were allowed to be back in, in the culture, but they weren't trusted because somehow, like, if you survived, that meant that you had access to food that other people didn't. And they, they weren't allowed to talk about it, about the trauma that they've had. And it had been suppressed for generations until now, until 10, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And it turns out that their big brother country next to them they were saying we are a good big brother, whereas in Australia when we say big brother, there is a context to that. It turns out that not a brother at all. It, it, it turns out that they were the ones that had been responsible for exterminating uh, your ancestors. And now this is coming out and the people are desiring freedom and you are seeing the results of that as evil does not want to let go. Then there was the Second World War. You know about the Jewish Holocaust, the six million Jews that died. Many of those Jews were Ukrainian Jews. Ukraine lost nine million people during the Second World War. Can you, can you get a feeling of what, what they were going through? And then we have two revolutions. We have an annexation. We have a war where the enemy is pretending not to be there. But they are. But that's not us but people are dying. And then now it's got beyond the pretending. What has happened in Ukraine is basically the largest scale possible before you step into nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare. 
But because my heart was broken in 2014 after the mass shooting on the streets during the revolution, and after the annexation where I first for my, in my life felt absolute dread, and then the country went to war where people volunteered to go and engage an enemy of insurgents without any real weapons. They had wooden ones, fake ones. <laughs> there have been miracle stories throughout, uh, throughout the years. And during this time, a small minority group called evangelical Christians who were persecuted and sidelined from society in an atheistic country, they have this little, this little group becomes very active, taking in refugees, internally displaced people, and praying with those that are suffering, and then going to the front lines as evangelists. You know those dorky little kids, young guys, and they go and they hand out the tracts, and, and the soldiers say, will you stay with us? And they say, hold that for a minute. And they go back to the capital and they go through training to, become, to learn combat medicine. So that they literally can be with those that they are called to save eternally by laying down their lives with, with, in the place where the country is hemorrhaging. The gospel thrives where there is crisis. It's designed for that. It, 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 it shines in the darkness. And Jesus comes into the world to shine in the darkest place and dies the worst death. And he takes it all um, judicially on himself. It's all been paid for. It's nothing you need to do now, but it certainly is not free. And one of the things I'm doing now in Australia is I'm while I've still got relatives alive from the older generation, during this very busy schedule, I've had a chance to just sit with the older generation and hear the stories while it's still living memory. The Bible is mostly a narrative story, and God speaks that way, and he sent his son into this world. And the thing about the gospel is, even though it's been paid for, as the Spirit of God comes into us, it transforms us and we become like Him. Just like we saw in the, in the, the movie trailer. As He is in your life, He transforms you to be like Him and to use the gifting that He gave you. But, but greater love has no man than this than a man lays down his life for his friends. And there are many places around us that need light to go to. If you want a full life, pray about it. Find someone to serve. Often I don't have, a, I'm not equipped. I don't have much. I don't have resources. Often the answer will come back to something like God says to Moses, oh, what's that thing in your hand? I'll find a use for that. Just in that little thing, you do that. Oh, and that thing then parts uh, entire seas, and, you, and you've, you've prayed about that. Uh, you've, you've sung about that today. Uh, the blue guy, his name is Yuri. He used to fix things with his fists. Um, 
I think he still does sometimes. During the first days of the invasion, all hell has broken loose, but God is in control. I'm not in control. And as you're in this washing machine of impossibility, like this is insanity, um, you find your place. We took our family to a place to to her, to Oli's parents, and we we sat it out. We sat it out there for the first month. We thought, surely, what you know, we have we have a plan. This 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 didn't happen without our 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 knowledge. We had contingency plans, and it's good to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, um, you're gonna find yourself more likely to be in places that you don't want to be. If you got something written down saying, when this thing happens, then I want to be there. If they come from there, then I want to do that. If they're going to turn off the electricity, the phones, the internet, that's going to be our signal. And we, the first night, a few kilometers away, we received uh, a report that a power station had been attacked. And that was one of our trigger points. And I took my family and uh, we took them a couple of hours uh, southwest to a village uh, where the, the, grand, the grandparents are. And while the internet was still working and while we had the, the, uh, the electricity still, I was crazily working on the other side of the screen to connect people to represent Ukraine and that was my fir the first month of the war. It was exhausting. Uh, it was overwhelming. It was, um, it was something uh, you are full on adrenaline until the adrenaline runs out and you still can't sleep because there's still there's, there's so much going on. It, were, it was totally full on. But guys like Yuri, you go, can we go to um, the map that's got the, the red on it? So this is a map of closer into Ukraine and you can see you've got the red part and then um, you've got the gray bit. So the gray bit used to be red, and the, the, these are where the Russian forces have, have, have come in. And my friend Yuri, the guy in blue, he was going in to the yellow area. It was, it was um, a place where battles were going on, and he was going in to extract people. And he came across a, uh, a checkpoint, or it was on an intersection, and there were barricades there, and there was a Ukrainian flag, and he was driving to that, and suddenly, 10 bullet holes in his car, and uh, he was driving a um, Volkswagen Sharan. Sharan? Does that, does, does that, uh, a Volkswagen with a big front window and very little engine in front. And he's got a big tummy. And when suddenly the bullets hit his car, he's uh, winding down the seat and his tummy is still sticking over the dashboard. The thoughts you have, is this going to be my day? Is this going to be the end? And uh, he had an iPhone, and it was running out of battery, as they do. Just note to self, Warzone, you should have moved to Samsung. That's exactly what Yuri was thinking at that moment. 
He said, I should have bought a Samsung. No, you know what he was thinking? He says, is this going to be the way it ends? And he's thinking, well, my helmet and my body armor, for some reason, I put in the boot. Note to self, after getting a Samsung, And then we lost all contact with him for several hours. I cannot tell you how distraught I was when I heard that. Miraculously, he survived. The story of human nature, of, of, of history, it's God's story over, over human history. He sent his son at the right time to die for us, and he sends his son into uh, uh, the world and we know how it's going to end and that was, said, that was said today we know the end of the story and as I say in a war of time you get to see how simple life is and what is important and what can I do what can I do now and I honestly believe that we in the West have become distracted by things that have become that are very unimportant and I also want to say that because of the decisions that our parents and forefathers have made, we have a rich society and um, we are also living in a time of unnatural peace. Because if you read your Bible, it says they went to war or war happened every year or generationally. Read about David read about Saul, read about Joshua, read, like, like, and right up to um, Babylonia, Babylon, Babylon, sorry. And, uh, and then when Jesus arrives, he's, he's arrived in the Roman Empire in a conquered country. Um, and, and as an adult, he cries over Jerusalem and he says, if only you knew. Forty years later, Jerusalem was wiped off the face of the earth and God's people of Israel didn't have a home for 1,900 years. And after the Second World War, when the world, the Western world said never again to have such war, tens of millions of people, uh, they, were, they died during, during the Second World War. And... We have lived in this um, tension between major powers. But as that was happening, oh, that's a signal. We're running out of time. Unnatural peace. 70 years of unnatural peace we have now had. And it shocks us when things like this happen. It hasn't happened in your lifetime. What you're seeing on the screen here is the, those red dots are, are major events that happened on a particular day just a couple weeks ago. Every day a new picture. The largest battles are happening since the Second World War right as we speak in eastern and southern Ukraine. Uh, a thousand casualties a day or more. Um, six million Ukrainians or more have fled Eight million have been internally displaced and the church is shining during this time. The, the, the church, the model that was created eight years ago in eastern Ukraine where a, an artificial war was happening, 
between two fighting, I don't want to use factions, but that's the word that I have, and churches were being planted where the country was, he- was hemorrhaging. And I got to be there. And I got to see faith in action like I've never seen before. And across denominational lines, we are now, we are now seeing that as this entire uh, country on the north and then on the east and then on the, uh, on, the, on the southern range there, as that's happening and the country is being eaten up, the world expected it to be over in three days. And apologies internationally came in, but I'm sorry. We'll talk next week if you're still alive. And you have seen the heroics of the Ukrainian people. And you have prayed. And you have, uh, you have invested money into what the church is doing there. And the church is shining. And we've earned our stripes. And we will continue to do so. The concept that I would share is, despite the fact that we are so small and insignificant, God uses that, and then we do our own little, we do what is available for us, the little thing. That little thing, when I do it, I do it, it's not changing the war. It's not changing the world. It's not changing people's fates, but I'm doing that in obedience to Christ, doing what I can in faith, and then my neighbor does that, and another one does that, and another one does that. And we have seen the Christian church super active during this time. And as we all do what we do, and the Ukrainian people striving for, for freedom and the right to live in the paradox of laying down their lives, we've seen like it's, it's like a fabric being created, crossing And you get this amazing tapestry that as God pours out his spirit, it's strong enough to withstand massive evil that the world is watching and has been shocked. Um, To challenge the Western world, we have lived so well over the last generations and we're getting richer and richer. We don't need God anymore. And then suddenly you come face to face with pure evil. And it doesn't fit into your worldview. And you know what? I don't believe in God, but evil exists. And it's challenging people. And God is working. Europe is being challenged. The Christians are at work. And the, the analogy for me is the only scripture that we see where leaven is used in a positive way. Normally, leaven is something bad. We talk about the leaven of the Pharisees. We talk about the, the, um, you know, the leaven of, of sin. But one time, uh, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like, a, um, it's like when a, a lady is making uh, dough and she's going to make bread and she puts the leaven in there and kneads it in. And as we are being mixed in, the essence of that society as the result of that, the fruit of that will be absolutely different from if it wasn't there. And I want to encourage you that that's what you're seeing. There will be massive spiritual fruit from 
the engagement of the children of God, not knowing how this is going to end for the Ukrainian people. I do not know the, 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 the next steps, but I do know that in the end, every uh, knee will bow and every tongue will confess and humankind will come to the logical conclusion, the inevitability of the fact that it didn't work for us without God. And Jesus, the Savior, who's already paid the price, he will then complete the work where he, in bodily form, the eternal God, will live amongst his people in his creation where he brings that all together. Just like we are body, mind, and spirit in one, he lives loving his creation that he's going to renew and make into something beautiful. But we will come to the end. Of where we are. I will share uh, one, one scripture verse. It's Acts chapter 8. This used to be my favorite passage, and now the war has come. I've, I've, I've changed it. It's still the same one. It talked about persecution, and I've shared that there was a persecuted church. Well, we're not persecuted here. Um, but when I replace persecution now for war, I can't not think about it. I know you're not supposed to theologically do that and, and, and make things into, um, to bend scripture for your particular context. But we live in our context and God speaks into it. And so here we see the first time in Acts chapter 8 that the church is in trouble. And people are dying and going to jail. And I can't help but think about the emotions that I have because of the war. And so we're seeing danger, we're seeing death, and we're, we're seeing people that have to make a, a, a decision about what they're gonna do. And the strange thing is, the apostles who were told by Jesus himself to go, you're gonna be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and utmost parts of the world. They were told to go, but here they are in Jerusalem, and for the first time they say, I'm not, we're going to stay. This is the first time that the circumstances around them have not dictated to them as the final authority of what they're going to do. And what do we say? Manning up, right? Even though Jesus told them to go. Okay, I'm not going to judge them. They've decided to stay. The job's not done yet. I have seen Ukrainians say the job is not done yet. And they have stayed. And on that map that you saw, there were different... Um, uh, there were different stars. There are hundreds of stars of hundreds of churches where people have stayed. They have sent on uh, the wives and the kids and the elderly as much as they can, as much as they can, and the pastor has stayed or the pastor and the wife has stayed or somehow they wanted to go. It didn't work. They had to turn back. They stayed, all sorts of stuff. And I've been visiting these pastors now that it, it's freed and they, they all have a miraculous story of what God has been doing during the war. They did not choose this, but God has chosen them. God has chosen you too. I'm not saying that you're gonna be in my situation. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And then there's the other side of it. I have seen the incredible happen and I wanna be there and see more. And I am still fearful for my wife and kids, honestly. And we have the second group here. 
what does it say? That, that uh, everyone fled and they went into uh, Judea and Samaria. No self-respecting Jew would ever go to Samaria. So why would he go there? Because he was scared and he wanted to protect his family. Surely, a Pharisee would not go into Samaria. Okay, I'll go to Samaria. And what do we see in the next verses, in verse three and four? Basically, it says, as the devastation was happening, as havoc is being wreaked on people, verse four is, but the believers who were scattered they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They took the light of the gospel with them despite the fact that they're running for their lives. The last story I'll tell, I have lots of war stories. There's a young couple in our church. When it started, they got scared and they tried to go west. It was a very harrowing experience for them. They ended up in places that were more dangerous than, than when they, they started. But eventually, eventually they did get to a safe place in western Ukraine. And they decided not to go to Europe, but to stay there, to calib recalibrate, to decompress. And they got involved with the local church there as, as internally displaced people. No rights just the bags with them, never knowing if they'll ever be able to go back. They left the mother-in-law behind. Why did I just have that thought? Scared they were. Several months later, I get a phone call from the pastor. And he thanks me for sending those missionaries. You're welcome. Quality people really are. I'm glad that we sent them. The truth was they were scared and God moved them. He moves people. And it's okay to have those emotions, okay? They're real. God has given us uh, defense mechanisms of fight and flight and, and other things. Um, uh, they're not all to be uh, suppressed all the time. They're, they're, these are the realities of, of where we are. But God was able to move them just like he did when he wanted the gospel to go into new areas. And maybe there are some things. It, um, your limitations are not limits for God. But where you are, um, let the gospel shine. Make a decision, God. I don't know. I don't know the future. I don't know where I'll be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm not controlling very much. I can tell you not controlling very much. And uh, shine through me today. And somehow, as I said, the fabric that was created is now shining in front of the world. And the next stages of the war, which have been going on for more than 150 days, and the end is not in sight. A country fighting for its right to exist as a, as a nation. The church is being needed into that. And we have access to hundreds or thousands of eternally displaced people. 
people are seeking God like never before. There's no such thing as an atheist in the foxholes. Everyone is seeking God. Everyone is praying. Everyone is, people are calling out to God. And um, my wife shares as we've come home to our little church and there have been hundreds of refugees coming through, but some have now stayed and they're decompressing and they've been, they've never, these are people that have never set foot in a Christian church environment before. And my, my wife, Olya, gets together with them and, say, and ask this, you know, how are you doing? You know, who are you? How are you doing? And they all share this, their, their story. And then Olya asks, um, so how did you hear? And they all in unison say, God led us here. And people are on a journey. And the people who haven't received Jesus yet, your friends, your acquaintances, the people you're going to bump into, they are on a spiritual journey. Be with them on that journey. And through your faithfulness, through your prayers, um, through your gifting, through your community, through your love, the Holy Spirit can do the impossible. So I'm going to pray, and I think we're going to end, end there. Lord Jesus, you are not only the God of the impossible, it's no big deal for you to save through many or through few, and you choose us, and that is an oxymoron. How does that work? But Lord, you do choose us, and you do change us, and you've given us a calling, and I pray that you would use these simple words today to challenge people about, challenge me too, about how to be faithful in the little how to be obedient to you, how to be open to your spirit and um, to understand that the circumstances are allowed by you and in time uh, you will reveal. But Lord, help us to be faithful in that little trusting of you and to take those little steps of, of faith no matter uh, how uncertain we feel. And I believe, Lord, that you are calling people from this church far. And I believe that you are calling all of the people of this church near. And the world may not feel that it needs the salvation like the Ukrainian people do. But without you, they do have an eternity that is without you. And you came to save us from that and to give us eternal life. Pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, I'm just going to ask Pastor Wayne to, to pray for one more thing uh, for us tonight because uh, I know he would he would say the same thing, and what, what an awesome you know, statement that he's made, that from insignificant and ordinary, God can do just the incredible around us. But uh, can everyone just close their eyes just for one more moment, just a, a moment of privacy for everyone in the room. And um, if, you are, if you feel like there's more for you to do, if you feel like, man, there, there's something stirring within me again to do something, whether it's overseas or whether it's locally, 
uh, you know, every country, every person, every human being needs the answer, and the answer is Jesus. But if you feel like there's just a little bit of doubt or you want a little bit of boldness or a little bit of courage, I'm going to ask Pastor Wayne to pray for us again and to specifically pray for you. If you are feeling cold, if something within you is burning and stirring tonight, I want to encourage you to lean into that and let God open those doors. And uh, it's, it takes you to step out, though. And so, Pastor Wayne, would you pray for those in the room that, that might be thinking, oh, there, I know I'm called. I know there's more for me. Lord, I remember those 30 years ago when you put your finger on me and revealed the next step that I was to do, and it was burning in me, and I had no idea why, and I just had to say, yes, Lord, and you, you dealt with the details. Lord, you know the big things and the small things, and I pray that you would reveal and you do as we step forward. And that's what a life of faith is. The just will live by faith. And it's a step uh, following you and obedience to you. And I believe, I pray, Lord, for those that you, within whom you are working now and you have that special calling, that you would not let go of them until that, is, that next step is done. And Lord, we will not regret. The fathers of the faith look back wherever they ended, who became a martyr and who became a giant of the faith that saw miracles done through them. They all look back to the God of their salvation and he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And he is faithful that he who has begun this work, he is faithful to complete it. And you have started that work. I pray, Lord, that you would empower the people here, your sons and your daughters to, 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 to make that step and you will reveal how and you know what that is but we, Lord we don't have to have the answers and you will be able to redirect us and to move us and to equip us and to empower us Lord we want to see that, we want to look back and say Lord you have been with us and we, we want that priority in life to be the desire that one day as you accept us into your kingdom, on that day you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Lord, I want that. And I pray that now for my brothers and my sisters. We don't have to be big. We don't have to have the answers. We have to be with you. And you use us as your special instruments, as insignificant and as imperfect as we are. You get the glory for that. Transform us into something that gives you glory. And you are the hero of our story. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Pastor Wayne for sharing with us?